Get go. What? Really? Yeah, okay, yeah, bye. Great news. Yeah, the strike's been settled. I'm going back to work. What strike? I got H&H Bagels. That's where I worked. You worked? Bagels? Yeah, look, see, I still have my business card. Yeah, we've been on strike for 12 years. I remember seeing those guys picketing out there, but I haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah, well, H&H wouldn't let us use their bathroom while we were picketing. Put a crimp in our solidarity. Your demands. Yeah, five thirty-five an hour, and that's what they're paying now. I believe that's the new minimum wage. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Uh, I'm Stephen, and I'm Ivan. Hello, and I'm Stacy. We're joined again today by our friend Stacy, uh, who's I think appearing on the podcast. I think this is the fifth time, fourth, fifth, fourth or fifth. Yeah, yeah. And you no. seem to be with us at least once a season. So yeah, yeah, makes sense. I think I think maybe season three or four, you were with us maybe twice. Yep. I'm yeah. <laughs> four or five. We did one. I've done one at your old place, and then I think this is the third. Third in the Penny Packer Industries podloft. <laughs> <laughs> the Penny Packer Studios, Penny the Packer loft, Studios. whatever, the, whatever the hell you want to call it. Yes. <laughs> uh, this. What are we doing this week? We're doing the strike. Yeah, we are. Season nine, episode ten of Seinfeld, and uh, I must say, Stephen, I haven't seen this episode. I've seen this episode actually probably like thirty times. But I haven't seen it for probably a year, at least. I haven't seen it since we started the podcast and many, many years before then. So yeah, a lot of yeah. this episode was kind of new to me again, which was fun. Because mm. you don't get yeah. that a lot with a show that you've seen countless times over 30-odd years. Yeah, and as you mentioned off-air, Stacey, um, like many Season 9 episodes, a very busy episode. Yeah, it's action-packed. There's a lot of secondary characters. There's a lot of like competing storylines in the episode. It's definitely... A lot of moving parts. Uh-huh. A lot of moving parts. A lot of moving parts. That's right. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. Uh, we are on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can email us at bidwabasspodcast.gmail.com or on Patreon as well. So check that out. Uh, for $1, 2 or $5 a month, you can get various levels of access to uh, our episodes early and uh, access for Season 10, which we've uh, talked about quite a bit in the last few episodes. Mm. Is that US or Australian dollars? Uh, Australian dollars. Australian oh, dollars, yeah. Good point. What a bargain. Yeah, Good it's point. like $1.75. That's not more $1.70. Well, with the collapsing uh, US economy, um, <laughs> it's probably even cheaper. It's going to be so, 20, 20 US cents. Yep. It's the, be a the Australian house market is starting to collapse. So, you know, if you're a first home buyer, it's a good time to get in. And all that spare cash, you can become a Patreon. That's right. A patron. <laughs> <laughs> of pa- patron of Patreon. Patron and of Patreon. Speaking of Patreon, we would like to introduce, or we'd like to welcome, rather, our latest patron for $2 a month. His name is Greg. Yay! Hi, Greg. Welcome, Greg, and thank you for the support. We really appreciate it. Yeah. So you get all those goodies that Stephen just mentioned. So uh, if you want to subscribe, uh, yeah, be sure to, to sign up. I'm sure Greg right? knows what he uh, what he's getting. Yes. That's why he signed up. That's why he signed up, yes. <laughs> if What's you want to be like Greg. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be like Tim <laughs> and Greg. Our Tim and Greg. Get Tim and Greg. Give yes. us money. Throw money at us. Please. Uh, we've also got a website, com, and you can uh, hear us on any podcast uh, service. And if you want to be kind to us um, and support us, you can leave a five-star review. That would be amazing. That would be, yes. And today's characters, we're talking about Jerry's episode girlfriend, Gwen, a.k.a. Two-Face. Two-Face. Yes. 
Steve, a.k.a. Denim Vest. Yes. And also the bookie counter guy and Charlie, a.k.a. Sleazy Guy. Sleazy Guy. And I've got also notes, Stephen, on the bagel, uh, H&H Bagels manager, Harry. Yep. And uh, we've got a few notes on Kruger and uh, Frank Costanza as they appear in this episode and as well. And Tim Watley. Oh, and Tim Watley. Oh, Tim Watley as well, I forgot yes. about Tim Watley. Yep. Yes. He looks weird with his, like, short hair. Mm. I don't know. It's just strange. Yeah. I don't know. He looks like he should be in a 90s <laughs> dance band or something. He just, I don't know. He looks weird. I thought you were going to say he should be in, like, a 90s sitcom. You know, <laughs> he should be like, yeah, yeah. He should. He looks like he should be a Jewish dentist in a '90s sitcom or something. Yeah. Like but he's only Jewish for the jokes, right? True. <laughs> I feel like he should have one earring in his ear. Yeah, he looks I feel a bit. Like, does Watley actually have an earring? Um, I think he gets one in an earlier episode. Oh, really? Yeah. Doesn't he? I just, as, yeah, I'm just picturing that... him with like one earring. Yeah, I think he hasn't. I think he does have one in an episode or two. Yeah. Does he do that? It's a plot point, or is it just part of? It's just how he looks in that episode. I, just think, I think it's his... a thing that they raise. Yeah. Oh, probably, but yeah. it's part of his style. Yeah. I think it's his, his pre-Judaism days. Yeah. Yeah. When he was trying to find who he was, and then he found Judaism, and he didn't need to. He took his earring out, and he's like, "I've, I've arrived." Yeah. And we, we've spoken about Watley in the past. We have. So we've done an episode on him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so what do you reckon? We'll crack on with some uh, Seinfeld news. Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> Really short and sweet Seinfeld news to end the year. Actually, we yes. haven't we haven't made mention that this is our last normal Bidwabask episode for twenty eighteen. That's right. Yes, because we are taking a week off over Christmas and New Year's, but we have oh, a lazy special. Bastards. Well, we've got to celebrate Festivus. Yeah, we. There's have so to, yeah. many grievances to air that we decided to take a week off. That's how yeah. long it'll take. We're, so Stephen and I will be partaking in feats of strength. Uh, just watch my hip. All right, Steve. Yep. No fair and, enough. And uh, also airing of grievances. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't like your Seinfeld news, mm. Nash. Nah, I, <laughs> <laughs> I need to locate an aluminium pole, though. Yes. Yeah, I'll just steal one of those just light steal poles. Steal one off the street. I, I, find, I find tinsel distracting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Seinfeld news, short and sweet. Uh, only one piece this week. The New Yorker uh, did a really, really awesome profile piece on Julie Louis Dreyfus. Um, and I encourage you all to give it a read. So there was no new information revealed in it, but it's a really in-depth interview and article, and she talks about her last year and a half, so historic Emmy wins last year, her breast cancer and subsequent treatment, um, the death of her sister, or half-sister, I think, in July, Yeah, yeah. Um, and all the highs and lows of the last year of her life, and uh, the, the final season of Veep. Um, really, really good interview, um, and it is an audio format as well. So I encourage you to read that and listen to it. Other than that, nothing happened in Seinfeld World in the last oh, week. Jeez, I think everyone's just having a break you know, over more because Hanukkah, Hanukkah just passed, and uh, <laughs> you know Christmas is coming up, so everyone's just um, everyone's chilling. Everyone's just getting ready for Festivus. For Festivus, yeah. I did find an article, and it was like a like a really obscure like financial news site, and it was analyst. The title was like analyst compares U.S. market to a Seinfeld episode, and I thought it was going to be because there's been a few articles about how if nothing happens in the stock market, if it's just a really dead week, they call it a, a Seinfeld market. Yeah, that's right. Nothing's happened. Nothing. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Uh, so I thought it was going to be something like that, and I thought oh, I've already kind of reported on this once or twice. It's just, it's a bit redundant for for Seinfeld news, <laughs> and I clicked on it, and then I had to. Subs- it was behind a paywall, and I'm like, I'm not paying a dollar per month to some weird financial news website in to I don't read know. something that's about something you've yeah probably before. owned by News Limited yeah. you're just giving Murdoch yeah, some more it's money just, it's just a face for more, <laughs> for more money for Murdoch yeah um, 
Yeah, so that was technically Seinfeld news, but it, it wasn't worth a dollar. Probably <laughs> already covered it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you well, can put human. that you can put that dollar in the human fund. <laughs> That's true. Money for people, not money. for Murdoch. Yes, money for, yeah, no, not for Murdoch. He's got enough. He just put a few zeros in front of the one, and uh, you know, in front of the one, that'd be point zero zero zero. Ah, uh, behind the one. Behind that's the all one. He deserves. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, He's yeah, already that, got enough. That's how much tax he pays a year, isn't it? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Anyway. Why don't you take us through a synopsis? Yes, I shall. And it is a very busy Season 9 synopsis, Stace. Very. Yes. So, Season 9, Episode 10 of Seinfeld, The Strike. First aired in the US, December 18, 1997. So, bit over a bit, yeah, a bit over a year ago as of the time that this episode drops. Oh, no, sorry, a not year a year ago, ago sorry. Uh, a bit over 21 years ago. Gee, yeah. that's what I was going to say. Yeah, I was like, oh. My goodness, yes. That's what I meant. Uh, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Alec Berg, Jeff Schaefer, and Dan O'Keefe. Alec Berg. Alec Berg. Uh, all the core four except Kramer attend Tim Watley's Hanukkah party, and Elaine meets a man who she dubs Denim Vest, based on his wardrobe. He's played by Kevin McDonald. And she gives him a fake phone number after he asks her out. Later at the coffee shop, George opens his mail and is offended to receive a gift of a donation in his name from Watley. It's the Children's Alliance. It's for a children's charity. Yeah, and he gave my gift to them. <laughs> to them. Where's the Christmas spirit? Eye for an eye. <laughs> awesome. Um, he also gets upset when Elaine reads a card from George's father wishing him a happy Festivus, referring to a holiday his father invented. Kramer gets a call that a 12-year-old, a 12-year strike, rather, at his former job at H&H Bagels ended, so he decides to return to work. I didn't want to tell you, Jerry. I was unemployed. I was unemployed. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't you, know you had a job. <laughs> you worked. Um, meanwhile, Elaine realises that she's lost her card for a free submarine sandwich after giving it to Denim Vest with the fake phone number written on it. Determined to get her free sandwich. And I found this part to be like a pretty weak point of the episode. But yeah. I loved how so self-aware the show is that even Jerry thought it was stupid. Yep. Like she, he goes, why are you doing this? And she goes, free sub. And mm. he, he just looks at her. You notice how like in the coffee shop, he just looks yeah. at her like, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. That's what I was thinking too. I was like, who cares? Yeah. Even you know? Harry, the guy in the, when she's like waiting for the phone call in the bagel shop and he was like, I'll make you a sandwich. Yes. Yes. And she's like, no, but I want my free sub. I want the one that I own. Yeah. I want the one that I own. <laughs> like everybody else even Elaine realises how pathetic this entire process is but she's just so set on like following it through and seeing it out that she's like I understand that feeling though I've had loyalty cards from a place you know like your favourite place to get coffee or whatever's closed so you just go to the one next door that you don't really like and they give you a loyalty card and you think I'll never come back I'm I'm not coming here by choice but then once they put one stamp on it, you're like, well, it's started now. We have to. It's yes. finished. So yeah. I kind of understand her motivation, even though she knows she just doesn't want a sub and she doesn't even like the subs. Yeah, it's she just, actually like, acknowledges how bad they are. Yeah, it's just it's just finishing something well, she started. There's a chance that she might get a free hat out of it, I think. That's true. I would be more excited about than yes. the sandwiches. Because yeah. Jerry says, is there a captain's hat involved? And Elaine says, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I would be in it for a, for a captain's hat. Yeah. Yeah. I've done more for less exactly. <laughs> than 24 sandwiches for a hat. So, yeah. <laughs> well, how about I eat the... Uh, children? Well, how about I eat the non-vegan sums and you can keep the hat? All right. How's that? Sounds good. Fair trade? Yeah. So anyway, she goes to the off-track betting parlour whose number she gave out pretending to be hers, um, hoping that he'll call the betting parlour and she can get her sandwich card back. The two men at the betting parlour begin flirting with Elaine and ask her for her phone number. I'm a man. 
<laughs> prompting her to give the number for H&H Bagels. She goes to the bagel shop and waits to receive her call. After learning about Festivus from George and Jerry, Kramer becomes fascinated with the concept, and he meets with Frank Costanza to learn about the holiday. Kramer requests to have time off work to celebrate Festivus and is denied, so he goes back on strike picketing outside the store. While on strike, Kramer sabotages the bagel machine, causing a steam vent to burst inside the store, which causes Elaine to appear unattractive. She's not unattractive, but... She's just a hot mess. She's just just been schwitzing for six hours. Jeez, give me a break. She goes to meet Denim Vest for her sandwich card, and he does not have it on him, but he says he can give it to her another time. Being turned off by Elaine's appearance... (laughs) He gives her a fake phone number and Stacey's just shaking her head. Um, while giving out Christmas gifts at work, George hands out cards for donations made to the Human Fund, a fake charity that, as we all know as Seinfeld fans, that George created to get out of buying gifts for his co-workers. Mr. Kruger decides to give a large company donation to that fund, only to find out later that the charity is fake. When confronted by Kruger as to why George gave him a fake Christmas gift, George hesitantly replies that he does not celebrate Christmas, but instead celebrates Festivus, and claims he gave out the fake cards to avoid being persecuted for his beliefs. They drove my family out of Bayside. <laughs> to, to prove to Mr. Kruger that Festivus is real, George invites him to the Festivus dinner at his parents' house. Meanwhile, Jerry goes on a date with Gwen, a girl who he met at Watley's party. She's played by Karen Feynman, and he realises she is much less attractive than her oh, that than when he first met her because of the different lighting. When Kramer first meets Gwen, he finds her rather unattractive and later does not recognise her when picketing outside the bagel store, claiming she's more attractive than Jerry's actual girlfriend, which leads Gwen to think Jerry is cheating on her. So. That's why he's already hiding me in that diner. <laughs> Jerry, Elaine, George and Mr. Kruger attend the Festivus dinner at the Costanzas. Kramer walks in with the two men from the bedding parlour. Um, Gwen shows up at the dinner after Kramer tells her Jerry was there and sees Elaine, who Jerry, who she thinks is Jerry's ugly girlfriend it's that he's cheating on her with. Festivus another Festivus and I love how Jerry just glares at him. And, she st- and Gwen storms out of the house. Kramer leaves to work a double shift at the bagel place after ending his strike. Uh, the Festivus dinner continues with her with the traditional feats of strength where Frank forces George to fight him as George refuses and Frank declares it the best Festivus ever. And during the credits, Kramer drops his bubble gum in a uh, batch of, you know, potentially cooked bagels like a batch of dough. and uh, Bagel dough, yeah. Bagel dough. And the manager says, that's it, you're fired. And he's stoked. And he's wrapped, yeah. He's relieved. Thank he's God. like, finally. Finally, uh. yes. Other secondary characters include George's co-worker Sandy. She's played by Stacey Herring. Uh, Dave Florick plays the H&H Bagels manager Harry, who I have a few notes on. Uh, and also Amit Eitelman plays a an employee at H&H. Awesome. Why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and crack into some secondary characters. Oh, I have a bit of trivia as well. Excellent. What is that? Is that the poem? George, Festivus is your heritage. It's part of who you are. That's why I hate it. It's a big dinner Tuesday night at Frank's house. Everyone's invited. George. You're forgetting how much Festivus is meant to us all. I brought one of the cassette tapes. Read that poem. I can't read it. I need my glasses. You don't need glasses. You're just weak. You're weak. Leave him alone! (laughs) All right, George. It's time for the Festivus Feats of Strength. Oh, God! Turn it off! No Feats of Strength! I'm Festivus! Welcome back to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. We are covering Season 9, Episode 10, The Strike, and it is time for Seinfeld Trivia. Awesome. Yes, trivia about the episode. Do you have anything, Stace? About the episode? No, any trivia, I mean. 
Did no. you take any trivia notes? No, I did not take no. trivia notes. No, true. You were doing notes in the I car on the way over. I was watching the episode and doing my homework in the car on the way over here because we had some technical difficulties during my lunch break today at work. And whose fault that uh, was? I only just managed to finish watching the episode before we walked in your door. <laughs> I did not get time to do trivia research. Oh, you could have done trivia without watching the episode. Could I? Yeah. Wikipedia, IMDb. I like to start at the beginning and work my way Fair through enough. the process. You Fair like enough. to start off with the airing of grievances, mm-hmm. followed by the feats of strength. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kind of sounds like you are airing grievances, like technical difficulties, a bit of a passive-aggressive dig there. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It's was not your fault. You didn't make Google Drive. Uh, <laughs> Google's fault now, huh? Uh, all right. Uh, I'll start. Yeah. Uh, so the episode popularized the concept of a two-face, someone who looks attractive and uh, sometimes looks bad. I'm sorry, uh, but didn't Batman popularise the concept of Two-Face? I think this popularised it as just like general use. Uh, like yes. you would use it kind of like shrinkage, you know, a, ter- uh, a term that is specific but can be used broadly. And I, I love how George says that he's heard of this phenomenon before mm. and you think it's going to be like some scientific word or, you know, something really like witty, but he's like Two-Face. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. I actually have a thing um, <laughs> when I use online dating apps, I actually have a criteria which is that I don't accept same faces. Same faces. What's yeah. a same, same face? face? So it's the opposite of a two face, I suppose. It's like when someone has like multiple photos of themselves on Tinder, but they're actually like making the same face and have the same expression oh, on their face so in each photo. So oh, you've got to have one person in the light and then another person in a tunnel. <laughs> so you got to see like the two sides. It's just like if you get like, you know, three photos and she's like, mm-hmm, pout. Do you mean someone angle? just without any like variance in their facial expressions? Someone no, who just pulls like the same face. They have worked out the the way that they think they look hot in a photo. Oh, I see. And then they only consistently take photos of themselves at that in that way. So oh, they gotcha. always look their best. So, so they always do like the duck face. Exactly. Closer. Yeah, I call right. them same faces. Same faces. That's good. That's a good not, one. Yeah. And I do no. not accept. So I understand what a same face is now, but why does that make you swipe left? Like, what, what is it about the same faces that makes you uninterested? Um, one, it's unoriginal. Okay. And two, like, you should back yourself harder. Right. Than having to present the same face to society every time. Fair enough. Yeah. Like, okay. have more faith in yourself. Like right. Yeah. But what if someone doesn't? A lot of people have really low self-esteem. And, you know, maybe that's maybe that's the only way that they can feel confident. Well, they've got they've got more. Find the answers on Tinder, Stephen. That's true. Well, like the 1995 Jim Carrey movie, The Mask taught me, we all wear different masks. It's true. Some we all wear the same mask. 90s comedy (laughs) taught me uh, taught me a lot. Branch out. Branch out. That's all I'm saying. Take a risk. Do better. And the um, you probably know this, Steve, but the holy holiday of Festivus was actually created in real life in 1966 by Daniel O'Keefe, the father of Dan O'Keefe, one of the show's writers. I did not know that. Yes, he invented many of the traditions later included in the episode, including the airing of grievances. Wow, real. It was a real holiday, and people, a lot of people around the world, still celebrate Festivus. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Mm. That's so cool. Hang on. So were people celebrating it before the show, or did the show popularize it and people just no, the show popularised it. So Festivus oh, okay. was just a thing. So Dan's father in his, invented in it. In his family. Dan O'Keefe Sr. Right. Yeah, and then he put it forward as an idea for the episode. And then since then, when Festivus aired, you know, when the strike aired, people started Looked getting it into it. Started yeah. celebrating it. It's a message against uh, commercialism. Yeah, the, the commercialization, commercialization of, Christmas. of Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. And also just for a really, like, passive-aggressive family. Yeah. <laughs> Who don't know how to communicate healthily. So they just... Pent, bottle up all of their angst, frustration uh, for the whole year and then just unleash it all. Yeah. So, very healthy. 
as well as Festivus, another real-life uh, part of this episode um, has, well, is part of the real world, the Human Fund. Uh, that's the name of a real organization based in Cleveland, Ohio. It was established in 2005, eight years after this episode aired. Um, and the organi- organization reportedly drew its name from this episode. There you go. So I that's a real thing too. I don't know what sort of organization it was. I'm, I'm hoping it was a charity, and I'm hoping they just donated money to people. Just generally, they're like, here's some money. You're a person. So... That would be awesome, but uh, yeah. Hopefully, they didn't run on the uh, ethos of George Costanza. <laughs> Just money for people. Yeah, well, no, because he's like when he's oh. talking about it, he's like, you know, I'm going to give them money, and then they're going to owe me big time. Yeah, <laughs> that's defeating the, the the notion of a charity. Of, of charity. <laughs> At exactly. first, I'm going to need a driver. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably like fifty grand. <laughs> so he needs another thirty or forty odd. Um, yeah. So I was going to say, Steve, the actor who played Charlie with the uh, the mullet at mm. the betting agency, his, his the actor's name's Colin. Malone, not related to Post, I don't think. Um, so at the time, he actually co-hosted a popular public access TV show in LA called Colin's Sleazy Friends, which covered the adult film industry. Oh. So sleazy in real sleazy life guy. and sleazy as an actor, yeah. Hmm. yeah. Yeah. He's got that sleazy look though, doesn't he? Yeah, he's kind of got a Ron Jeremy vibe maybe. Yeah, Because he's that. kind of chubby and he's got the long hair. So Charlie, the guy with the darker hair. Yeah. And yeah. the yep. mullet, yeah. Yeah, he's the sleazy guy mm-hmm. in the background. Yep. yep. I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, I love how it kind of fades out at the end. He's like, I'm a man. <laughs> I'm a man. <laughs> uh, as well as the organization in Cleveland being named the Human Fund, there was actually a cryptocurrency uh, invented and released last year called the Human Fund. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Again, I don't know much about it. Um, I'm sure you could find out if you really want to know. Um, but I imagine it's just another um, Bitcoin kind of clone or copy because mm. there's quite a few of them now. Yes. So, any more trivia? Yes. Uh, the original plan... Yes. For th- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Hold on. Oh, I thought you were talking about Mr. Burns. Like, uh, what? Home already? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the, yeah, but uh, I had a stroke. Um, the original plan for this episode was to have two women playing the part of Gwen. Uh, so, oh. actress Suzanne Krull was to be the ugly Gwen... <laughs> Oh, God. While Karen Feynman would be the pretty Gwen. Uh, in the end, it was decided to have the same role played by uh, Karen, uh, as it would be too confusing for the audience to have two women. Yep. So she played the path of, of uh, both Gwens. I think even for season nine, having two completely different women uh, would be like even ridiculous for season nine. Yeah. You know, but, but slightly altering the makeup. And she doesn't even look conventionally speaking unattractive in the dark it's like she just looks like a person in the dark lighting. it's like she's yeah. got something stuck in her upper lip yeah. she put something in there to kind of puff it out okay yeah. I didn't really pay that much attention yeah, I'm like, her, her lip was kind of like curled up oh, but it's okay. like she had something stuck under there to make it to give it that effect right it's just yeah. bad lighting yeah we've all been there yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. Any more trivia? Uh, yeah, what well, last one. Uh, while at the Festivus dinner, Kramer is referred to as Dr. Van Nostrand. Uh, in a previous Season 9 episode, The Slicer, where Mr. Kruger makes his debut, uh, Kramer uses the alias to pretend to be a dermatologist. Uh, while in Season 8, Episode 5, The Package, he pretended to be a physician. Uh, he also uses the name in The Pilot, the Season 4 finale, where he attempted to audition for the part of Kramer. <laughs> <laughs> I can be an actor. I wonder where the... Um, the, the um, where Dr. Van Ostrom came from, you know, like where it was inspired by. I've always wanted to know that. You know, where he comes up with these... The names? Yeah, you know, because they seem to have Penny fleshed Packer? out... St- yeah, they seem to have like pretty established stories and mannerisms and, you know, I mean, even though he's Kramer. He wants to, I guess Van Ostrom and Penny Packer sound like, you know, rich people. Yeah, very yeah. Wealthy all kind very of bougie. Old sounding, money, yeah. bougie yeah. Kind influence of names. Yes. and power. Yeah. 
I can just imagine him, you know, spending a lot of time rehearsing in front of the mirror so that Do when you he... think so? I feel like he'd just pull it off. Like, he just it'd just come out. Yeah, that's true. I guess Cre- uh, Kramer does have that ability to just sort of go with it. <laughs> yeah, he's an adaptable guy. He seems to have a little array, though. Yeah. Know, he's got, a, like, a repertoire of... Mm. Yeah, that's, that's true. Speaking of characters, why don't we uh, talk about some secondaries? Ooh, Ooh. Oh, there we go. You Good. are quite the character, aren't you, Steve? Secondary character. Gwen? Gwen. Let's talk about Gwen. Played by Karen Feynman, uh, known for her appearances in Chicago Hope and Babylon 5. Babylons. Babylon. <laughs> by the rivers of Babylon. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so Gwen. Uh, I mean, she's she seems nice. And, you know, it's, it's one of those instances, again, where Jerry... Breaks up with her for something silly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, she's a lovely person. She's probably a nice person. You know, never has any problems with her, you know, in conversation and stuff. But just because of that, you know, that's it. I yeah. think she's actually quite, um, she's quite, you know, like friendly and, and outgoing and confident. I don't get any sense that she's aware of this changing nature of her appearance. Well, um, well you know, most, when- I'm sure most people who would go out with her wouldn't be. As like as superficial as Jerry, yeah. so no. yeah, yeah. Most people, even in Seinfeld world, aren't as yeah. terrible as Jerry. Like when she walks up to him at the restaurant, like at their first date, and she was like, "Hi, Jerry," and yeah. she's all just you know, and then he says something like, "Oh, you look good," or whatever, and she's like, "Were you expecting someone else?" Like she's completely unaware of this mm. ish- yeah. issue. Yeah, uh, air quotes, guys. <laughs> and and this and this subplot I find as well. Obviously, with season eight and nine, you know, with Larry. You know, we talked about last week about Larry David leaving you know, yep. at the end of season seven. Um, you know, it, it became a bit more bonkers. So I think, like, you know, there's a lot of fantasy and supernatural kind of theme. So the fact that, you know, her face changes in the dark, you know, obviously we got to accept that season nine was more, had more fantasy elements and stuff. Like, I don't think it would have worked in, like, the Larry David era yeah. of Seinfeld. I don't think it would have really flown too well. Yeah, it's a um, bit, it's a tiny bit too wacky. So you got to kind of... Let your inhibitions go a little bit. Yeah, with this one. yeah. it's yeah. fun though. Yeah, it's fun. I love the way like when she walks out of the Festivus dinner and like Jerry automatically like gets up and goes after her and then he's like, ah, yeah, comes well, back and he's like, oh, <laughs> bad lighting on the porch. <laughs> yeah, I love this great. little like yeah. they're like they're almost like chirps. They're just like, oh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, Maybe you should wussy. take the tunnel. <laughs> but she seems really understanding because when he like comes up with the strategy that they're just always going to sit in the back booth of the coffee shop because that's where she looks the best in the lighting and like they obviously spend a bit of time there because like at a subsequent meetup she's like why are we always mm. you know can't we go somewhere else like we're always coming here to this coffee shop and he's like oh but it's so good and she's like it's our I coffee found shop a rubber band in my <laughs> Yeah, but she seems pretty understanding of the fact that this guy who she's newly dating is like taking her to a coffee shop every time they see one another. Mm. Do you think she's aware of her two faceitis? Not at all. No. 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 I think all the people that she's gone out with previously weren't as shallow as Jerry. So even if someone did notice, oh, she looks a bit different in darker lighting, they wouldn't they wouldn't break up with her for it or mm. make a big thing out of it. They just go, people look different in different lighting. Makes sense. And especially like when Kramer says to her in the street, oh, no, I've seen Jerry's new girlfriend and she doesn't look anything like you. Mm. She <laughs> doesn't trigger at all. There's no kind of sense of like recognition in her being like, oh, he must have, it must be me. No, so she's not aware. She's not aware. And also she seems quite indignified when she thinks that Jerry is maybe cheating on her or has another girlfriend. I feel like if she knew about the two-faced stuff, she'd probably have a bit lower confidence in herself and if she found out that he was having another relationship she'd probably kind of internalize that a bit more and not be so like indignant and be like oh you know storming into the festivist dinner to confront him true moves mm -hmm. of a confident woman yeah you're better looking 
and a foot taller. <laughs> Much more likable. <laughs> Much more likable. <laughs> I wanted to ask you both, how do you think she knows Tim Watley? Do you think they dated or do you think she's just a mate? Because uh, well, they seem to know each other pretty well. Pretty they, well. they seem pretty relaxed around each other. They don't seem like they've just met. Maybe she's also like a... I don't know, I wouldn't say fellow dentist. I would say dentist, associate. But... Yeah. I don't think they've dated because when... What, oh, sorry, I should stop clicking my pen. <laughs> when uh, when Watley meets Jerry and Gwen in the restaurant and mm. at that time she shows up with the, we'll call it the dark face. She shows <laughs> oh, up... Ooh. Oh, 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 maybe no, not. Uh, no, probably shadow, not. Probably shadow not the, face. For, no, yeah. not, not the dark or black face. No, no, no. The, the, dim, the dimly lit we'll face. We'll say shadow None face. None of those minstrel things. No, no, no. Right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re, rewrite that. We're going to say the shadow face. <laughs> shadow face. Um, Tim kind of Speaking gives of Jerry... Speaking of two-faced, you're revealing who you really are, <laughs> oh, Stacey. Geez. Oh, now no. I've gotten comfortable. <laughs> After your fifth visit to guys. the H.E. Pennypacker Studios, you and can... And now it's time <laughs> to reveal my extremist ideas. You know, Let's Trump, get racist you know, here. Trump, Trump's in power. She can. She feels more open about it now. Yeah, you She's feel like, more emboldened you know, yeah. to, <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> to, um, to, to be a terrible person. To reveal my true nature. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to no. reveal your two-faced. But no, you make an excellent point, Stacey, because when Motley does see Gwen in the dark or her, her see her um, shadow, shadow face, face. <laughs> um, yeah even he's surprised as well so obviously yeah. like he would have if, if they were having sexual relations obviously you know she probably would have he probably would have seen her in the dark you know with the face like that as well so he would have probably already known so but I think you're right I think there's probably I don't associates. think she would pass the Watley test I don't no. think so no yeah he's as shallow as Jerry as shallow Maybe as Jerry. worse actually probably yeah worse. that's true he, he actually he actually well he drugs and rapes his patients as well <gasps> Oh, so, oh, like yeah. Jerry, yes. I mean, Jerry's superficial and he's not a very nice person, yeah, but, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't do terrible, terrible things yeah. to people. Yeah, if only the Me Too movement was out during the Seinfeld <laughs> era, you know. It's a very nineties episode. For sure, for sure, for sure. Off, off mic, and I was just saying, there's a lot of uh, unsolicited and unconsensual uh, pursuit of women in this mm. episode by uninvited people, men trying to be a bit sleazy. more underhanded. Yeah, just some really sleazy characters. Oh, I better take off my denim vest. <laughs> Triple denim. Triple denim, yes. <laughs> denim tuxedo. Yeah, they're snapped. Nice. Well, <laughs> yes. speaking of uh, the Canadian tuxedo, why don't we talk about Steve? Yes. Uh, denim vest. Played by Canadian actor um, Kevin McDonald. Get out, really? Yeah, he is. Uh, credited as Kevin Hamilton McDonald in the episode. Uh, he's known for his Emmy nominated role in The Kids in the Hall. I love The Kids in the Hall. It's yeah. such a good show. He was nominated in 1995. Wow. Uh, as well, I forgot the award though. Uh, he's also appeared in the films Lilo and Stitch, Sky High, and Galaxy Quest. Oh, he was also in Invader Zim. This guy rules. Yeah, hey, he's pretty cool, huh? For a wow. Canadian, not bad. Papillon, that's <laughs> yeah, nice. Awesome love you, Canadians. You're nice. Nice. Yes. Uh, I think he's a bit of a dork. Yeah, he's a dork. He's a yeah. bit of a nerd. I think he's kind of stuck in the 80s. You know who he reminded me of with the gear? Rick Astley in the music video Never Gonna Give You Up. You know okay. how he's in the double denim? But it, Astley's got that really big like jacket on as well, doesn't he? Yeah, no. He wears a few different like costumes in that one, but one oh, of them's okay. like a the double denim. He right. kind of reminded me of uh, of Steve a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I think he's a dork, you know, a bit socially awkward as well. Yep. Doesn't know how to engage you know uh, other people other potential partners yeah i think though like in the beginning at the party he seems really dorky you know like elaine makes the comment about how he like smooths out his vest before he approaches her at mm. the party to ask for a number and stuff so like in the beginning he's a little bit more unassuming and dorky but then at the end when they meet up to get this card back you know he makes comments about elaine's appearance he asks if she's been sick because she's all... You yeah, know, you she's have all, mumps, typhoid. Yeah, typhoid, like, because she's all steamy and, you know, looks a little bit haggard. 
let's say. Um, <laughs> Stacey doesn't like this subplot at all. <laughs> well, no, she just, she's not looking her best. She's been in the schwitz for six hours. She looks like she's been sitting in a steam room exactly. for six hours. Like, she yeah. looks she looks a bit happy. Her makeup's running and but, her hair's um, a bit moist. All for a free sub. All, all for, for a free, free sub. And a hat. And a hat. Um, but he <laughs> makes the comment about like, oh, no, I can't give you the card. It was at my, it's at my apartment, but we can't go there now. And the way he says it is like, well, if she'd looked hotter that he would have tried to get her back to his apartment under the guise of getting this card back. Mm. And then he gives her a fake number. Yep. So then he's kind of playing the game back on Elaine because now she's not hot enough for him. True. And flipping it around, which to me isn't necessarily the move of like a kind of geeky... Maybe he was a bit nerdy and um, a bit unassuming, but when he struck up a conversation with Elaine and mm. she seemed interested, that gave him a bit of cockiness. But sometimes people, you know, when they feel a bit, um, when they're lacking in confidence and then something that they're trying to achieve goes their way. They become too overconfident. Yeah, rather than yeah. just getting, oh, I've got a little bit of confidence, this will sort of like take me in the right direction. They just think, oh, I'm awesome now, I'm bulletproof. And then they become too cocky. So maybe mm. that happened. Maybe yeah. Elaine's initial interaction with him kind of... Too big for his genes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for his triple denim. Yes. <laughs> what, what would have happened if that removal truck where he got the fake number from wasn't there? Do you I think he would have just written something down. Probably or? the pizza, probably Joe's Pizza behind it or something. Ah, yeah, you know, yeah, or, yeah, or a dry cleaner because that's they're the only two shops that exist in New well, York. Dry cleaners or pizza shops. That spells out no denim. <laughs> <laughs> no denim. <laughs> no two no faces. Denim for you. <laughs> or if it spells out Yamahama. <laughs> Yamahama. Yamahama. <laughs> yeah. I I was going to suggest maybe he was Canadian because um you know the triple denim is called a Canadian tuxedo but the actor is Canadian. Yes, he is. Um so I'm going to assume yeah, he's Canadian. He's I'm a Canadian. Trying, yeah, he's no, a Canadian. Pick. Sorry. Good pick. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian actor, triple denim. Pretty pretty subtle. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Loves maple syrup. I mean, what more can I say? Yeah, really yeah. nice. Yeah, indeed. Yep. Do you have anything else about Triple Denim, um, about Steve? Not about Steve, no, but I do have notes on uh, the bookie counter guy and Charlie, a.k.a. Sleazy Guy. Cool, cool. I couldn't believe the actor who played this guy, the counter guy, you're not going to believe who he is. He I, I, looks incredibly familiar, but yes, I couldn't pick him. I will tell you who it is. So he's played by actor, playwright, and screenwriter Tracy Letts. He received the 2008, listen to this, the 2008 Pulitzer Prize for Drama for his play, August Osage County, as well as a Tony Award for his portrayal of George, not Costanza, in the 2013 revival of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Wow. He's also appeared in more recent films, The Big Short and Lady Bird, two great films. Oh, I've seen Lady Bird. Yeah, he's in that. Is Lady the Bird the one with Lady Sor- the, bird. the Lady Bird? Lady the Bird. Lady the Bird with, um, is it Saoirse? Saoirse. Saoirse. Oh, no, because I've seen her in an interview and she's like, and they're like, how do you say your name? And she's like, it's Saoirse, like inertia. Like, okay, Saoirse. <laughs> so cute. Yep. So, yeah, he's had a very prolific career in theatre and uh, and screen. Wow. As well, yeah. It's yeah, big sure. started with Sleazy Guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can only oh, get better no, actually, from Bookie Counter Guy. Oh, um, right. So, Sleazy Guy, okay, Charlie. Well, they're, played... both, they're both pretty sleazy. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Ch- Charlie was played by Colin Malone, uh, known for appearing in an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer as Creepy Guy. Uh, that was his actual act character in, in Buffy in an episode and Good versus Evil. And I did mention in uh, trivia just before that he did also co-host a public access TV show about the adult film industry called Colin's Sleazy Friends. I reckon that'd be fun to watch. I reckon it'd be an interesting... It's probably something thing. on YouTube. Yeah, like I'm a sure fly on the webs. wall. Colin's sort Sleazy of a, Friends? Yeah, I don't know. I can imagine it to be like a Gonzo-style fly on the wall, you know, amateur sort of documentary series about 
the nineties porn industry. Yeah, you'll find something on YouTube. Yeah, sure. there'll be something there. Yeah, I, wa- I watched an eighties tip top ad this morning. So if if they're on YouTube, and I think it had like two hundred eighty thousand views. Tip top uh, is in the bread. Yeah, good tip top's on the ma'am. one. Tip top's the one. Good on your mum. Good on your mum. Yeah, so I'm sure. Ch- what's it called? Gus's uh, Gus's shit friends. No, no, <laughs> Colin's sleazy friends. Oh, okay, yep. Tom's yeah. fucked mates. That's, that's <laughs> the anal offshoot of Tom's sleazy friends. <laughs> the anal offshoot. Yeah. Oh, shit yep. Friends. Yep. Gotcha. Gotcha. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Oh, 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 no. Oh, no. Anyways, these dudes. <laughs> so they're obviously. So because this this bedding agency, it's not your standard the bending agency. Yeah. We're still on anal. Yeah. Bending anal see what? No. <laughs> Bending anal see. Stop being so anal, both of you. Um so <laughs> No buts about it. Continue. No. <laughs> oh man, anal. Oh, we're in a hole. We've got to dig ourselves out. <laughs> Hilarious. I'll turn the other cheek. <laughs> Stop. Enough, please. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh no. What? Nothing. <laughs> Actually that was a bit dark. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. What the fuck? Bill, was that you? No? Um, <laughs> anyway, so these guys here, they're... um. Oh, God. Tension. Tension in the air. Oh, geez, we need airing of grievances right now. Um, My what... face hurts from laughing. <laughs> so what I was going to say was, guys, is um, these guys, they're not in, like, your normal classy not a classy but you know your high-end tabs or anything mm. they're in like a like a small bidding agency very seen, similar i'm yet to see a high-end tab no have you ever been to a tab yeah i've seen it no they're not that good no, no but what i'm saying is it you know it kind of reminds me of it kind of reminds me of the one in the subway that kramer goes mm-hmm. to to get his money back mm-hmm. you know for the court case yeah um yeah that's what it reminded me of so they're a couple of seedy guys mm. in a seedy part of town and mm. uh, they do they work with seedy people and what you know is- like when she comes in he's like oh you're Elaine and then like all the guys in the bookies are like Elaine Elaine yeah I don't think uh, many attractive women or many women generally come into that mm. into that establishment into that establishment no I wouldn't be surprised if he um if he's sort of uh he's not a hardened criminal but if he's got some connections to maybe some mafia like figures or some some seedier, some dodgy bookies because yeah. a lot of you know bookies run numbers for for mobsters and stuff so I wouldn't be surprised if he's on the fringe of you know that world in some way yeah, yeah, or, or at least, or at least he knows someone. Yeah, he's on the yeah. take. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I think with Charlie, I think he's just he's like the dumber one of the two. So mm. I reckon they're kind of like you know, Bookie's kind of like the smarter one, whereas Charlie's a bit of like the the dumber one. Yeah, you know what even I mean? at the he kind of just follows the Bookie. Even at the dinner, he's sitting like behind Elaine and the counter guy. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. He's not even sitting at the table with everyone. He's kind of sitting to the Behind. Back. That's like the hierarchy. It's mm. him and then Charlie. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know? he's just his lackey. Yeah. And sure. then now, uh, counter guy, he quits the, the job and he becomes a playwright. Yeah. <laughs> and he wins a Pulitzer Prize and That's a Tony right. Award. I know. Geez, work that one out, huh? Wow, wow, wow. What a, what a turnaround. Indeed. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, Harry, the bagel shop owner? Yep. He's played by actor Dave Florick. Uh, he's appeared in the films Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Priest and X Men Origins Wolverine. I think isn't that the one where Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool, but like not the Deadpool we know and love. Yeah, the the terrible Deadpool. The terrible Deadpool. Yeah, Yeah. before his uh, he became a smart Alec. That whole movie is pretty pretty terrible. Oh right. Yeah. Poor Dave. Oh. Oh. Anyway, yes. So Harry, um, obviously, he knows Kramer because you know he goes, "I'm Cosmo Kramer." He goes, "Oh yeah, Kramer." I think he was probably one of the people who maybe refused to go on strike. Maybe Mm. he was like. In, I don't think he was a manager 10, 12 years no. ago. I think he was one of the workers, but maybe he sided with management 
and then management rewarded him by maybe offering or him like a manager role from the strike because like, he had to use the bathroom. The way that Kramer <laughs> sort of approaches him and greets him when he comes in is like sort of like a fellow comrade. Yep. Yeah. You know, so like he does. There's no sort of seeming tension between he and Kramer when Kramer first comes. Yeah, back. it's not. A, it's not an employer-employee no. relationship. Or it's, maybe he yeah. has like IBS and he had to use the toilet. And like if you use the toilet, you're off the strike. And he's like, oh, I've got IBS. You know, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. that's fine. My own personal health is more important than. Imagine if you lived on striking for minimum every day. Like that would wreak havoc with the digestive system yeah you'd so be pretty compli- compli- uh, complicated, complicated. Com- constipated yeah you'd be so <laughs> <Or> both, both. <laughs> compli pasted compli pasted compli pasted well you'd be both it would be complicated and mm. you'd be very con- constipated yeah yeah uh, I couldn't tell do you think he owns the bagel shop or is just the manager I think he's the manager no he right. actually says in the notes that he's the manager oh yes. okay well there you go yeah and even yep. in the script for the episode he's known as manager yep. so do and you think seems pretty unperturbed like when like the dam- when Kramer um Damages the machine and the steam. Like he doesn't seem upset that someone's tampered. It's with like, the can machinery. we still make bagels? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't seem sort of too concerned about it. Yeah, I guess if he was the owner mm. and that would cost him money to yeah. re- to replace or fix, he'd be a yeah. bit more upset about it because it doesn't look like a very busy bagel shop. No, you know, Elaine's in there and there's one or two Other customers, customers. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I just sort of thinking about what you said before or what you said. Sorry, Stace. Um, uh, that yeah, he probably started around the same time as Kramer, but mm. because he was loyal to the owners, you yep. know, he worked his way up into being a manager because um, he refused to strike. Because like Ivan said, he he had IBS and he needed to use the loo, <laughs> and he was happy to uh, sacrifice his his like ethical ethics. his ethics for the sake of um taking a shit. Oh well, no, or maybe he was just in with the management. Yeah, you know. Yeah, who knows? Do you have any other notes about him? No, no. Um, I well, yeah. I mean, he. I was just going to say, do you think it's reasonable that he fires Kramer for Very much so. dropping the oh, gum? In the- that's definitely an OH&S issue. Yeah. You know, yep. you don't drop gum, used gum in, in bloody someone's food. Yeah, I mean, and you shouldn't be chewing he gum. He says it too, because he was like, I'm sorry, but like, you've got to go. Yeah. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't get angry. He's very reasonable about it, but he just like kind of looks at him and's like, "That's that's done." I think I think he knows Kramer well enough to yeah. know that he's a liability. And so like the when, first fuck up is just like, "All right, see, mate." Yeah, exactly. And like when Kramer asks for the time off for Festivus, and he's like, "I employed you to work the holidays," mm. and you're asking for time off, like he's he seems pretty. He's a very fair. He's by yeah. the book and fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. I don't think he's like a. I don't think he would be. The, he, if he was the owner, I don't think he'd be the sort of strike that his employees yeah, would and he would strike to against. Make Elaine a sandwich. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a nice guy. Yeah, yeah. he's a nice fella. Yeah. yeah. If he was the owner, uh, I mean, we don't know who the actual owners are, but if he was the owner, I don't think his employees would strike. I could imagine him maybe paying a bit more than above the minimum wage, just to sort of keep his workers happy, and just because you know he wants to, because he thinks it's the right thing to do. Yeah, yep. that makes sense. Uh, why don't we talk about uh, Frank Costanza? Frank Costanza in the episode and how Festivus affects him. So obviously with Frank, he created the holiday, you know, in response to the commercialization of Christmas, you know, and he wanted to kind of do his own thing. So, you know, he, he tells the story to Kramer at the bagel shop where he uh, rained, you know, he found a doll for George, his son, and another man wanted it as well. And as he rained blows on the other guy, he thought, what's this all for? And then the doll was destroyed. There has yep. to be another way. Yes. <laughs> Do you think uh, Festivus is the most is the most uh, what's the word is a thing that people synonymize with Frank Costanza? You know, Seinfeld fans. Do you think it's his most like I think that's iconic? His, I think that's his, yes. I think as that's a character, his biggest moment in the show. Yeah, yes. for sure. Yes. Or the bro. 
the bro. But oh. that's sort of like him and Kramer. Yeah. Like Festivus is, but is it's his, his baby first, and Kramer gets on board. Actually, that's they true. They share it in the end, but that's like true. he kind of starts that. But I reckon like more people. Like if you just went out on the street and asked a hundred people randomly, I reckon What's more the people. First thing that pops into your mind when, when you I think Frankenstein. I reckon more people. I think more people say Festivus. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, and because it is like purely his, and it's like he's the architect and it's so of it. So insane and ridiculous. Yeah. Although I mean, the bro is a little but it's, as well. But. but it's also really funny and like really kind yeah. of logical. It's it like just really works. Yeah, I think. <laughs> it, I mean, it feels like a commentary on what Christmas actually is. It's like, well, part of it, like the airing of grievances. Like every time I That's love just my called Christmas lunch. I was gonna say, yeah, you, get your, you get your seedy uncle there, and your, you know. Your yeah, you're like I can't wait to see my family, and then after like two days with them, rosés and, and then stuff. she becomes racist. And then yeah. the casual you racism know. starts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the casual racism begins. We're talking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know that sort of thing. My grandma comes from far north Queensland. So. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> goes with the territory. Oh man, yeah. Um, I yeah, I think for me this is not my favorite episode that he's in or him no, in an episode. Me either. But I would yeah, I would, I would state that. Yeah, it's, it's it's iconic. It's not his best episode as far as his character is concerned. No. But as far as his work, yep. I think it's one of his tops because without this, we wouldn't have Festivus. That's right. And it's so ridiculous and wonderful. Yeah, I mean, a, a cryptocurrency is named after... Oh, no, that's a human <laughs> no, that's fund. A what human I'm talking fund. about. No, not Festivus. Yeah. Hey, you might create a new one, a Festivus. True. Festivus crypto. Festivus for the rest of us. And you can see in, um, when Frank goes to Monks and he sees George and he recounts, you know, he's got the aluminium pole. You can see how much pride he has in his face and how proud he is of Festivus when he plays the tape recorder of George when he was younger. I mm. can't find my glasses. Yes. But, like, is that pride or is he, like... I think he's just enjoying, very proud. He's enjoying the moment. He's savouring it too. But he's also enjoying tormenting George. Mm, not really. I don't think he's tormenting George. Uh, he's he's traumatising George. Oh, he's traumatising him, <laughs> but not. I'm not saying he's deliberately going out of his way to torment George. I think because he's just so proud of Festivus and George is so ashamed. But, like, he's playing that tape where he's like, I can't see, and he's like, you don't need glasses, you're weak. Yeah, I don't think... I think he's just ignorant of the fact that what that he's, he's doing is, is is tormenting, yeah. Yeah, he's traumatizing being his son. About it. Yes, yes, yeah. He thinks yes. that just that's just how you raise a kid, and that's just how you talk and communicate to people because he's yeah. fucking insane. And yeah. as Elaine puts it eloquently in the first scene of the episode, oh, so more pieces of the puzzle. Another piece <laughs> goes into the puzzle. You yeah, know? another piece of the puzzle falls into falls place. into place. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So much sense. of I mean, we've talked about it before. So much of George's and how he is. Um, you know, and all of his faults, Stems and from. yeah, is attributable to how yeah. fucked up his parents are as well. Insane. Yeah, you know, they're 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 certifiable. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. Yeah. Um, why don't we talk about Kruger in this episode? I personally, I mean, we don't normally do this, but if I had to name my favorite secondary character of this episode, even though he's in more than one, I would say Kruger's performance in this episode for me personally, even more than Frank Costanza, it just it just takes it for me. I, I just love yeah, it. I liked Kruger. Cougar. <laughs> this one. Yeah. Cougar. Cougar. My son says that your company stinks. Cougar, have you, have you heard about the poll? He doesn't need to see the poll. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Shows him the poll. He's, He's going to see the poll. He's going to see the poll. You know, I love Kruger in this one. I just love how, how Daniel von, von Bargen, who portrayed him, you know, he's just so deadpan. Yep. Like, he just doesn't give a shit. Yeah. You know? It's like, um, what is this? Uh, when we were, when I met you before we mm-hmm. met Ivan today and he's like... He locks himself out Yeah, of he's the like, office. oh, I've locked myself out of the office again. Oh, Guess well. I'll go home. <laughs> George is just like, what? Like, yeah, I know, right? Even George is stunned by that, yeah. like, <laughs> that lack of professionalism. He's meant to be like the head honcho. <laughs> yeah. And when he approaches him in the hallway, he's like, oh, yeah, like, I have to give a donation to charity, but I mean, they're all the same to me, so... 
what about this human fund? Because he can't even be bothered, like, working doing at a the charity. Research. Yeah. And, and only when accounting get involved, then he takes action. Yep. And he's like, oh, you know, now he's got to be all serious. And, and do you notice that, it, like, he's much more concerned with the fact that George gave out fake gifts yeah. than he is by the fact that he, like, basically tried to defraud their company of $20,000. Yeah. Like, yeah, I know. He's and more also, angry about like, the Christmas gifts. Yeah, yeah. and also- then he makes George, like, he insists on going to the Festivus to observe and see that it's actually a real thing because of, like, because of the card, yep. not because of the $20,000. Mm. And he brought his uh, flask of booze as well, you notice that? <laughs> yep. Yeah, You know, when Kramer leaves and then George, yeah, they like, say, well, I, I think it should be George. I think it should be George. And he takes a sip. He's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> like, he's just I've had enough of this shit. Ready yeah. to enjoy. No, I think he's tired of it i think i think he's just sick of it and he has a couple of swigs to kind of get him through the night yeah 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 i just i love kruger so much i don't know i I didn't realize how much i loved he'll be behind clompus and alton i reckon Uh, he's not he's not that good (laughs) but um yeah yeah he's a he's a he's a pretty great moment yeah i would say that he's one of the sort of lesser known mvps of uh, oh, season Seinfeld, eight, nine, yes. and Seinfeld generally, yeah, yeah, kind of like how I remember when we did Putty with you, mm-hmm. Stacey. How um, you know, you we always talked about Putty prior to doing that episode, and you know, he's an iconic character. He's really quotable. He's funny. But when we did Putty, oh, we I remember, him. I remember, but I remember you specifically yeah. saying. I, I didn't realize how much I loved him yeah, until we yeah. did this episode. That's yeah. how I kind of feel about Kruger. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like I've always liked him, but the more I watch him, especially recently, yes. you appreciate. Yeah, him. I appreciate him that's, more and more. That's yeah. exactly how I felt about Putty. Yeah, yep. especially Same when he thing. turns to Frank and he's like, "I find your belief system, system fascinating." <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first yeah. time that he actually cares about something. <laughs> yeah, like that he actually gives a half of a shit yeah. about anything, and he actually wants to make an effort to yeah. to sort of be a person. But it doesn't last very long. No, next minute he's like into the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> straight in. Straight onto the flask. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else about any of the other secondaries? Uh, no, that's it for me. What about you, Stacey? No, that's it. The oh, sorry. The only other... <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, I, I was throwing my voice. Sorry. <laughs> um, the only other person that I had as a secondary was obviously Tim Watley. Okay, yep. they're at his party when the episode yep, starts, yep. and um, yep. he and Jerry pass each other in the restaurant. Um, on Jerry and Gwen's first date. So I know you guys have done Tim Watley previously, right? As what what's the deal with? Yep. Yeah. Um so obviously we've talked about you guys have talked about Watley a lot in the past. Um there's just some funny comments in terms of, you know, like obviously he's throwing a Hanukkah party. Uh he's, you know, newly converted to Judaism, but he's like throwing a big party for everyone, mostly as an opportunity to sleaze on women for all accounts. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Jerry makes that funny comment about like, oh, yeah, it's easy to be Jewish when you don't have the parents to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good line. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he just like, oh, that's right. He So it's a Hanukkah party. And forgive me if I'm misinformed here. It's a Hanukkah party, but he's walking around with a mistletoe. Yes, trying which to get is a traditional Christmas uh, yeah, thing, true. yes. So and then Elaine like, just shakes her head. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then he's like, oh, yeah. Tiffany. Yeah. Happy, Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah, Tiffany. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess yeah. that's that just shows how Much sort of, of tenuous bag. his belief in Judaism really is. It's just a, another reason for him to... It's yeah. just a reason to schmooze. Yeah, yeah. like making jokes. Yeah. And throw a party and, yeah. you know, yeah. sleaze on women. He, I would say he's a superficial, um, and we've already confirmed that he's more terrible, but in terms of superficiality, I reckon he's up there with Elaine, Jerry, and George. Yeah. How do we feel about the fact that he did the donation gift... Oh, that's a nice. I mean, that's a that's a nice thing. It's a bit surprising, don't yeah. you think, for his character? Like, yeah. obviously, he's a dentist, so he probably makes decent money. Mm. But I was quite surprised, and it actually the whole thing with George then made me go back and think. Wait, did do you think Watley's gifts were legitimate? 
I or was, do you think he was also doing... Yeah, he just did it. A to, faux donation. I was going to say, yeah, a faux nation. <laughs> but how do you think George got the Yankees tickets? Because he wasn't working at the Yankees. Doesn't he say he's still friendly with, with the ground stuff? Oh, he's still friendly with the ground yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's not. I was yeah. going to say George wouldn't pay for him. Yeah. No way. But no, what, Lee, the fact... And, and also the fact that he, he donated to a children's charity. See, I think I think Stacey's onto it where... Um, he he did it just to bolster his own image, like oh Tim Watley, yeah he's a nice guy, oh, yeah, but yeah, really yeah, yeah, yeah. he's sweet. He gave money to yeah, that's really thoughtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, he didn't give shit. That's a penny dropper. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A oh, like an, packer, you'd say. an attempt. He's yeah. trying to like weasel his way in by appearing to be a really nice guy. Yeah, yep. yeah, that's the one. Yeah, he's a fake nice guy. Yep. Fake news. <laughs> fake Pure news. Your fake news. Why don't we take another break? And after that, we shall go through our Seinfeldism, Seinfeldia, uh, top tens, and uh, wrap it all up for 2019. Yeah, uh, 2018. Don't 2018. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a year off. Yeah, that's it. You are. I'm, I'm, Stacey and I are going to do Bibble Bust. Yay. That would be fine. <laughs> you're out. We'll be back, folks. From Mongolia to Melbourne, you're on Bibble Bust. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what, folks? We're now on Patreon. Yes, we are. That's right. So for $1 a month, you get early access to new Bidwabask episodes, which is really exciting. And uh, you also get the occasional thank you for supporting two Seinfeld fans from Down Under. That's right. If you want a, uh, a shout-out on the podcast uh, and in our episode notes, uh, for $1 a month plus the early access, uh, that's what you get. That's right. For $2 a month, you get all that, plus you get access to Season 10. It's our new Patreon exclusive podcast where we uh, hypothesize the hypothetical season 10 of Seinfeld and we come up with episodes and plots and new and old secondary characters. That's right. We have already released uh, the prologue, which is the preseason, I guess you could say, uh, which details the 20 years between 1998 when they went to prison and uh, 2018 uh, and, and the lives and what's happened in that 20 year gap for the Call 4 as well as a couple of other characters. Yep. And uh, the first episode of season 10, uh, which will be released soon on Patreon. Uh, we'll start from 2018 where they are now and uh, for the next sort of 20 odd episodes like a normal season of Seinfeld and that's right and we do have more tiers as well so go to patreon.com forward slash bidwabask b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c for more information and to uh, subscribe and support us so we have been talking about season 9's The Strike for Bidwabask for our season 5 and uh, we talked about quite a few secondary characters uh, on the thing. Um, so on the thing. On the thing, <laughs> on the podcast, whatever you call it. And we have our buddy Stacey with us for another week. Hello. Hello again, yes. Hello. Hello. And every week, Steve, when we do do an episode, uh, we rank them in our top episodes of all time. Now, out of the 66 episodes that we've reviewed so far, where does the Hail strikes... Satan. Uh, Two thirds of the way to Satan. Yeah, hail Sate. <laughs> hail Sater. Hail Sater. Yes. Where does uh, hail Sate? That's awesome. Thanks. Where does the strike sit in your top sixty-six? Uh, it sits at number twenty-six. Oh, okay. Yeah. Quite so, high. Yeah. So in the top half. Um, I mean, it's an iconic episode. Yeah. Festivus is an iconic. Uh, yeah, I, if it didn't have Festivus, if it had a uh, a, um, a Frank Costanza heavy storyline, but it wasn't about Festivus, if it was about another thing that he invented, I don't think I'd rank it as highly. But um, regardless of the the stuff that doesn't really hold up now that we've discussed, um, I just I mean Kruger's awesome in it. Like I said before, I just think it's a pretty solid episode. It's got some moments that are a bit meh. Yeah, uh, like the Elaine storyline is a yeah. bit weak. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I can relate to that because I've, you know, started a loyalty card <laughs> for some reason just to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I, I think it. I mean, it, to me, it's not a. It's not a awesome, awesome episode. But yeah. it's 
it's stronger than a lot of other episodes, especially for season nine as well. Yeah. Also, mm, oh, sorry, sorry. Yes. just like we were talking about before as well, the way that everything ties back in and everyone finishes off at the dinner. Like oh, the guys yeah, from great the writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come that's... in and Gwen comes in and every everything kind of ends up all in one spot at the at the end. That's true. And it doesn't feel forced as well. Like no. sometimes, sometimes they've got to smash together storylines and it feels a bit like the, the, the link between the storylines is a bit weak. Yes. Like they've run out of time when they were in the writer's room, but it feels very organic, mm. you know? Yeah. So that's, that's another good point actually. That's yeah. A good point, yes. What about um, you, Ivan? For me, Steve and Stace, it was actually a bit lower than I expected. Number 43. Oh, okay. But there's also like other episodes which are better. Um, but yeah, I found the Elaine subplot to be a bit weak, but I do appreciate the self awareness from Jerry. Like mm. even Jerry mentions that it's like he you look he looks and he thinks, Oh, this is stupid. Yep. You know. Um, yeah, I mean the episode was enjoyable. Yeah, you know, Festivus is obviously an iconic part of Seinfeld, you know, an iconic moment, which is still enjoyed by many people around the world. And they celebrate Festivus. So it's very in terms of pop culture and society, you know, it's made a big impact. Um, I think the story, you know, kind of went off into a few parts and, uh, you know, but at, I, I did like the ending when they all came together as well. Yep. Uh, my favourite bits was when uh, Frank would confront George at the coffee shop about Festivus and had the tape recorder and stuff. You know, you should be proud of your heritage. I, I pissed myself laughing at yep. that scene. I yep. love that scene so much. Yep. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I just think there are better episodes. Fair uh, enough. But still quite enjoyable, number 43. Okay. Um, now, Stace, before we, you give your opinion on the episode, I listened to uh, the episode you were on with us last season, The Deal, mm. and I remember I asked you uh, what your number was, but you didn't have the number, mm. but I went by... Was it one of your favourites? Is it good, very good, not so good, or crap? And okay. uh, so, what would you go like in those in those tiers? Like, what would you uh, rank the strike as? I don't think it's very good. Okay. Um, so I guess it would be good. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. It's definitely not a favourite. Um, as we have spoken about together earlier on, like I've seen it a few times before. It's not a standout. Mm. It's not a favourite. Um. The fact that it's the birthplace of Festivus in terms of popular culture um, is it sells it. Um, and the fact that it's got some really big name secondary characters in it. It's got Frank, it's got Tim Watley, mm. it's got Kruger who, you know, as we we're talking about, like he's not in a lot, but he's kind of one of those. It's like Steinbrenner. Like yep. he's, he's a bit of a cult classic mm. in terms of secondaries. Um, so for that reason, it, it goes a long way. Um but there's a lot of stuff happening. There's a lot of, you know, different things going on. Agreed, like the Elaine subplot. I feel like that's something that should have been written for George's character and not Elaine. Yeah. It doesn't quite fit for Elaine. Yeah, it's kind of a stingy... She has a decent job, you know, like she earns good money. She's yeah, not usually... where did the free sub come from? It's, it sounded like... It, it felt like it was kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. It was like, what should we... What MacGuffin should we use for Elaine, mm. you know, yeah. to kind of advance her subplot? Oh, okay, a sub card. You know yeah, I mean? it's, it's like, like they just, whoever was writing, they just pulled out of their wallet and they just went through and they're like, oh, here's a loyalty card for a sub place. Yeah. Well, that, Elaine, yeah, it does it feel a bit... Fit. Yeah, It feels a bit tacky. But also, yeah, like the way that the episode plays out in terms of, you know, like the, the fake numbers and the whole, the whole like... Um, you know, uh, like scavenger hunt, I suppose you could say, for like Elaine, you know, giving out the fake number and then having to go to the place and then giving out the bagel shop's number and all that. That's very typical Seinfeld. So, yeah. like, there is some good writing in there. But, yeah, it's just it's just good. Yeah. 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 
Yep. Agreed. It's yep. just a plain bagel. True. It's not, it's <laughs> it's not a, a garlic bagel. It's not a raisin bagel. It's not a... Uh, <laughs> it's not um, a poppy seed. It's no. just a plain... <laughs> A raisin bagel. I never thought I'd see that. I never thought I'd see that. <laughs> I've seen plenty of bagel flavors. True. But yes, I'd probably say it is a plain bagel, yep. maybe with some sesame seeds, but uh, that's about it. Oh, well, I'm quite fond of the sesame bagel, actually. That oh, okay. goes, yeah, that's pretty high up there. What's really good, uh, mm. Ivan has mentioned it a few times in this episode and in previous episodes. I'm a vegan. Stacey's a vegan. Yeah. Uh, Tofuti, which is a, mm-hmm. a vegan. Cream Soy cheese, cream cheese. like a sour cream, cream yes. cheese. Yes. Uh, that on a bagel is yes. fucking amazing. Dynamite. A lot of cracked pepper. Yep. Oh, a yeah. A little bit of smoked paprika and either cayenne or chili flakes for a bit of kick. You know your bagels. <laughs> I you do. do. I enjoy you, a good You've bagel. had a bagel or two in your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> true, true. Uh, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. <laughs> no bagel, no bagel, no bagel. Scab, scab. Scab. <laughs> Seinfeld trivia? Uh, yes, sure, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we're recording on Tuesday, December 11th, 2018, and today's trivia fact. 2019. <laughs> yeah, good ones. No, it's actually 2024. True. Yeah, right. uh, Spike Ferriston wrote a script based on the fact that he used to have a police scanner in his apartment. Uh, t- tuned to the right frequency, he could hear his neighbours' conversations on their cordless phones. He and his friends would kick back with margaritas and listen. An obvious storyline for Kramer. Yeah. Uh, on the night before the table read for that script, Fraser, Fraser, Fraser rather, did the same storyline. Uh, the Seinfeld writers had to think of a new idea. As everyone pitched, Ferriston remembered a past girlfriend who would only eat the tops of muffins. Oh, wow. That became a lane story and eventual attempt at a business. Top, top of the muffin. the muffin to you. Yes, the muffin tops. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's awesome. I love Spike Ferriston. Yeah. Were muffin tops muffin tops back then? Like um, the 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 pant the head the hip pant situation. Um, Do you think oh, that when, was referred like when to as a muffin top? When your um the, when your the handles spill out, sticking out. I don't think so. I don't know. I think it's like more of a new. Do you term, think that was the generation of the term muffin top? Could have been. I don't know. Maybe Google it. I'm sure if you look it up on um, what's it called? Internet. No, what's it called? Um, it's like street, <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it's probably like a sexual position or something. Probably, yeah. yeah. You can do that as <laughs> yeah, Urban attribute. Dictionary. I felt like such an old man. I'm like, what's that thing on the internet? Like the the, the, the urban Wikipedia, the oh, slang the w- Wikipedia. Wiki speak. Wiki slang. <laughs> Wiki slang. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any Seinfeldisms? Uh, no, none for this week. No. Okay. You, Stace? I don't think so, unless I think of something while you're talking. Damn. I've got one, and I'm pretty happy about it. So last week, I talked about how I went and test drive the new car oh you did congratulations thank you and um i in in that seinfeldism i uh left the car yard i took it for a test drive it had no fuel and it reminded me of um the dealership uh and this episode which is actually one episode before the dealership so i'm going to chalk that up to some cosmic link yeah uh i bought i ended up buying that car from that car yard and as i was driving at home i was with my um my girlfriend kaylee and she pointed it out she goes oh my god look I'm like, what? And then I looked uh, in front of me, and the car in front of us had a Serenity Now sticker on the oh, back bumper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I tried to take a photo, but because we were going about 80 k's in yeah, traffic. Yeah, a bit dangerous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I yeah. was driving as well. <laughs> I did zoom in, but I've just you can make out the Seinfeld logo, but it's too blurry to make out Serenity Now. Um, so, yeah, I was pretty happy about that. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. That's I'll, a good one. I wish yeah. I saw a bumper sticker where it said Serenity Now and Sanity Later. Yeah, that would be good. Lloyd Braun's catchphrase. That would be good. That would be good. Yeah, yeah. 
So anyway, that is the end of another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Stacey, thank you so much for being with us for the fifth time during the series run. We we love having you, even though we have two microphones for three people. We love having you. One day I will get my own microphone. One day. One day. Become a Patreon. Support support Stacey's need. Just buy my own microphone. How's that sound? That would be worth more than $2 a month. We have a special (laughs) Stacey's microphone tier for $30 a month. Uh, Donate to the Stacey Fund. Money money for microphones. (laughs) Money for Stacey. Money for Stacey. Indeed. So I don't have to sit so close to these smelly boys. Um, but anyway, there's actually uh, quite a few things I'd like to, to mention. So we sure. are, for our Patreon listeners, uh, next week uh, you'll be getting our next episode, The Facility Jerry, uh, which we'll be recording. So that'll be um, up on the same week we record it. Uh, for everyone else, we'll be having a week-long break between Christmas and New Year's. But during the Christmas New Year period, we are going to be dropping an older episode from The Vault. Yes, uh, a re-up. That's a re-up, yes. Uh, our sixth ever episode of People Bass, the Bizarro Jerry. We sounded yeah. younger. We sounded more naive, you know. <laughs> so we're putting that up, uh, you know, as like a bridge uh, to the Facility Jerry, which will be airing in early January. I just remembered a Seinfeldism. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. What is it? Yep. Um, so I was in the supermarket the other day buying ingredients for dinner and we were trying to select which variety of pasta to buy and my partner <laughs> passed me a box of Fusilli and I was like, ah, oh, Fusilli, Jerry. Oh, nice. And they just looked at me with a blank stare because they haven't watched Seinfeld. And then I had to explain the corkscrew pasta and the whole situation with Frank, Frank sitting on it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely deflating the, the joke in the moment. <laughs> I hate it when you have to explain a punchline or a reference and it just loses its its yeah. impact. You're just like, ugh, just watch the fucking show. I also <laughs> feel like probably at least once a week somebody sneezes and I turn to the and say you're so good looking <laughs> and then they look at me with a very confused expression but you wouldn't say that to Gwen in the dark though you'd just be like uh, Gesundheit yes. <laughs> I don't know I don't think she looks that bad no, no she's good no, no. she's a very, very nice looking lady um, but anyway what I was going to say as Sorry. well that's I just okay. had to share that yeah. <laughs> thank that's you for fine. sharing thank you for sharing yeah um, and also on New Year's Eve uh, in Australian time uh, Australian time rather look out in your podcast feeds because Stephen and I have a very special announcement that's right uh, regarding something which you will all enjoy so be sure to subscribe um, you can know you can find us on any podcast service and also on our website bibblebask.com uh, but yeah on New Year's Eve we're going to be dropping a very special clip and we're going to announce something that's happening in early Jan that's right and uh, if you want to get in touch with us uh, give us some feedback email us bibblebaskpodcast.gmail.com and uh, like Evan said, you can find us on any podcast service. And if you want to leave us a review, that would be tremendous. That would be amazing. My name is Ivan. I'm Stephen. And I'm Stacy. Happy Festivus to everyone. It's a Festivus miracle. That's right. Yes. I hope you air all of your grievances and I hope you defeat your siblings and or relations uh, in feats of strength. Pin them. Pin them down. And um, I hope you have a have an awesome uh, New Year's May Christmas. Stay safe. Yeah. May your poles be shiny. Poles and be your shiny. grievances be aired. Yes. And Merry Christmas to everyone else and Happy, and happy New Year. Hon- that's right. Post Hanukkah. Post and Happy New Year. And we will happy, see you. Uh, happy New Manium to all of you. Indeed. New Manium, <laughs> yes. And we'll be back in the first week of January for some more Bidwell Basket shenanigans. See ya. A Festivus for the rest of us.